We're back. Brain game for you. Welcome back to the podcast, pod class. I'm going to throw a little uh, nugget at you for you to think about to start us off. Warm up the brain. And it goes this. It goes like this. It goes as such. I don't know. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Carl Jung. 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 I think it's Jung. I'm going to say it again. And then this is the little brain game that I play with my students. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. And I want for you to... Tell me what he just said in your own words. This is what I do with my students. It is a good practice just for um, bringing, in, bringing in content, so like understanding, right? If you can, I mean, here's a way to think about it. If you can teach something to someone, then you understand it. You have to understand something first in order to teach it. So if you can explain it in your own words, two things. Number one, it assesses if you actually understand it, but also two, you figuring out how to explain it in your own words forces you to think about it. So, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. 30 seconds on the clock. How would you explain that to me in your own words? As my dog is barking. We're live. All right, 30 seconds. What did you say? I mean, I, you can comment if you want on YouTube um, or on the podcast, I think. I would think about this. There's that implies. So until you make the unconscious conscious, that implies then there are my actions and behaviors, the things that I do in life that could be either like literal physical movement, that could be the things that I say, that could be thinking. Any action and like that includes thoughts are either conscious, I am aware of it. Or unconscious, things that I don't think about, things that I just do that I don't put much thought into it. And until I shed light onto the actions, my own actions, that is physical, verbal, or thought, until I shed light onto the actions that I do not think about, those will influence my life in a way that I don't understand. And at the end, I will look back on it and think that it was some other thing, fate, right? Like something that was out of my control. We can get into, which we won't, which we won't, free will and determinism, yeah? So what what is in your control? What is out of your control? I think what, Carl Jung is saying here essentially is we could be more in control of our own actions and we're not and at the end we feel like there was far more beyond our control 
Perhaps that's true. I'm sure it is true. Like, I, well, I'm not going to get into the argument of, like, you have entire free will. I don't believe that. But what I'm interested in and what, like, this, I think, just this just reflects the entire series, the life design series. Making the unconscious conscious. Turning your unconscious behaviors into something that you're at least aware of. Because we're trying to design a systematic approach to improving our lives. A system in place. And the first step of the design thinking process was empathizing. What do you do? When do you do it? And part of that process, without really even knowing it, I think, hopefully, is bringing the unconscious into life. Into light, sorry. Depending on how detailed you were in, in the life log or the concept map, it got you thinking about the things that you might not think about. Why don't we think about it? Because habit, which we're, this is the episode, folks. It, I feel like if there is an episode in this entire series, this is the one, this and the next one. And I'm not just saying that just so like you'll listen. There's not a whole lot of people listening to this. I'm doing this for fun and for me to create. Um, and obviously for others. I feel like this is beneficial. But you created some two systems, the life log and the concept map of your life. And that was to get you to think about what do you do and when do you do it? And then you started to evaluate. So first you analyzed, then you evaluated. How are you doing at these things? Are you doing well? Are you not doing well? Are you not doing well in things that you care about? So like, what is important to you? So looking at the concept map, like your relationships, how are you doing your relationships? Either each literal person in your life or we broke it down as like categories, subcategories, whatever. How are you doing at your relationships with your work friends, your college friends, your whatever, your old high school friends, your parents, your spouse, your brother? What's important to you? And then what do you want out of this? So like, okay, ideally in regards to my relationships with my college friends, I'd stay in touch. Are you currently doing that? Is that something you want to get better at? That's, that was the define phase. So you evaluate it and then you say like, this is what I want to be doing. And then the ideate phase, this is just a recap. So if this is the first time you're listening, you could go back and listen. What could you do to reach blank, to improve your relationships or to improve your hobbies or to improve aspects of your career, to improve your mental health, your physical health, whatever. What could you do? So we talked about creativity, come up with a hundred ideas, we looked at the creative map and the how might we statement. So like how might the difference between how might we make school more fun versus how might we turn, how might we make school feel like a field trip? There's a difference there. And what should you do? So you come up with a hundred ideas, pick your top five. Okay, last phase, it's gonna be two episodes, prototype. So the next episode is gonna be really just like big picture application of life, turning all of this into something that you can like have a system for for big picture what i'd like for you to do is reflect back on your defined topic so the thing that you said that you want to improve on the thing that you said like this is worth addressing so we said just pick one just for the sake of practicing setting up a system we're going to be doing that again this week and then next week it's going to be like okay how can we apply this to our entire life but what was the one thing that you said you want to improve on mine was uh flexibility what do you need, should want to happen for that topic? What do you want out of it? What do you need to be happening? What, like defining what better looks like, right? 
what were all the potential things that you could do? So ideally you came up with a bunch of ideas for whatever that topic was and what will you do? That's what we're going to be focusing on today. What are you going to do starting this week? Let's say, all right, another little brain nugget for you. This is an experiment and this is from the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, He used this and I'm going to be diving deeper into habits today. And I'm going to be giving them the shout out because this is stuff I learned from them. This is not all on me. Um, But an experiment in 2001, the objective was to track exercise habits of 248 people for two weeks. And they had three different groups, three different control groups. So 248 people are part of this. They're broken into three groups. And then they want to essentially see um, in regards to specifically exercise three different uh, attempts or three different approaches to increasing exercise. Group one, just track your progress. So they said for two weeks, you want to exercise, track it. Group two, they said track your progress and they gave them things to read and little presentations on why it is important to exercise. So they tried to implement some form of motivation. So like essentially to convince these people like this is important. You should be doing this. You should be exercising and try to like create motivation to exercise. So the difference between group one, just track your progress. Group two, they added motivation in there. And then group three, track your progress get the motivation, hopefully, um, and then write down where and when they would exercise. So they said like, on this day, at this time, at this place, I will do blank. So group three was, we're gonna argue a prototype. They said, this is like, they defined what they're going to be doing. Now, the results, group one and two, varied i mean i'm assuming it's group one is 35 and group two is 38 percent so between groups one and two there was a 35 to 38 percent of that group exercise at least once per week so i mean is that decent we don't know until you look at group three 91 percent of that group exercise at least once per week so my question is looking at that is why First off, what is the difference between group one and two and group three? Because group one and two aren't the same. They both tracked progress, but group two had motivation on there. Group three, what was different about that? And why would that lead to such an increase? What do you think? Say it out loud. If you're driving by yourself or if you're with someone, Why do you think group three had such a higher success rate in regards to people exercising? And what can we learn from this? What can we conclude? Here's what I think. Motivation does not lead to change. It's like that Jocko Willink book. Hey, Griggs, my dog's walking by. It's like that Jocko Willink book, Discipline Equals Freedom. Y'all get motivated, and I say y'all, we all get motivated to like, oh, I'm gonna get in shape. 
I know why, I know I should be doing this. And yet, like, th and this is one experiment with 248 people, so, like, you would need more to, like, really dive deeper into this. But I think this is a good representation. Motivation isn't enough. If you really want to change things, you have to have a system in place. Now, that would be habits. So in the habit aspects, you have two different books um, that I would fully recommend reading. I'll clarify the difference between two of them. From the habit perspective, this research is about habits. From the design thinking aspect, group three got a prototype. They developed a prototype. So they came up with ideas, this is what I'm going to do, and then they defined it on this day, at this time, at this place. They developed a plan, a system was put in place. Either way, this is evidence that it's more effective. So, what are habits? Uh, there are two books, Charles Duhigg's uh, The Power of Habit, it's Duhigg is D-U-H-I-G-G -G for those listening on the podcast. And then there is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, I would, this is the order in which I went. I read The Power of Habit and then I read Atomic Habits. I feel that The Power of Habit does a great job teaching you about habits and like what it looks like in life. You could probably switch up the order. Atomic Habits is excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent at application. So it like gives you ideas, kind of similar to this class. Um, but I'm going through like I'm. We don't have the same uh, format, right? I I'm using the design thinking method to create the system. He just has like his own thing for like developing habits, which I'm taking and applying it into this. Not saying that mine is better by any means. He's sold over four million copies, so. I have uh, 57 followers on YouTube. What is a habit? Um, the power of habit has in three steps. Atomic, habit has, atomic habits has it in four steps. But you, there is a cue, there is a craving, there's a response, and then there's a reward. A cue is anything. It could be something that's happening to you. It could be um, movement, sound, something you see something you, uh, I was gonna say hear or feel. It's anything that sparks a craving. And the craving, could, I'm gonna be giving examples in a moment, but when a cue happens, so if something enters into your brain, you usually, and it depends on what the cue is, you get some form of want, or like, I need, I want to do this, I need to do this. And ideally, like the craving is either you want something to be satisfied or you want to get past this thing, like move on to the next step. I'm gonna show you what I mean in a second. Your response is an attempt to appeal or appease to the craving. And the reward is the craving is finished um, and you've moved on. Here are examples. Going when the light turns green. The light turning green is the cue. The craving is, I want to get to where I'm going. The response is, I'm going to start driving them. The reward is, I'm getting to where I'm going. Now, I mean, like, and let's 
how about slowing down when the light turns red or stopping when the light turns red? The cue is the light turns red. The craving is I want to be safe. The response is I stop. The reward is I survive another day. Checking your phone when it vibrates. The cue, phone, phone vibrates. The craving, you want to know what that is, like who texted, emailed, whatever. The response is look at your phone. The reward is you find out what it was, who texted you, whatever. And then let's think like, the cue could be text for, or email from boss says we need to talk. The craving, you immediately are like, ooh, and then you feel a certain type of way. That's We're getting into habit stacking in a moment. Here's another example. Going to the fridge when you get home. Cue, you get home, you walk in. Craving, something to drink, something to eat. Response, I'm going to... Go walk to the fridge, open it up. The reward, I get to get a beverage, I get food. Chewing fingernails when you feel anxious. Guess what the cue is? Feeling anxious. And if we wanna dive deeper, you could even think about like, well, what makes me feel anxious? It could be the vibrating of your phone. That could be the cue, and the, and then all of a sudden, like you're, you feel anxious. But like feeling anxious, the craving is I want this feeling to go away. The response is I chew my fingernails. The reward is that feeling at least is reduced. So you aren't chewing. Let's think about this. You're not chewing your fingernails just to chew your fingernails. The reason why you're chewing your fingernails is because you have a craving that was created by the cue. So for thinking about, and this was the empathize phase really without me like diving too deep into habits, I wanted you to at least just go through it first. But when you're looking at habits, you do things a lot of times in response to something else. You just, and how much of it is on autopilot? Where you don't think, like you don't, a lot of people when they're chewing their fingernails, they don't think about chewing the fingernails. They just do it. Now, something that was interesting um, from the, the power of habit, a little um, antidote. Antidote? What? You? I. I am so bad with like. It could be two words, and I say the wrong one. I don't even know. Some story that was put in that book was um, this woman was chewing her fingernails, and so she went to a psychologist, and the psycho psychologist said, "Okay, all I want you to do is just every single time you get the urge to chew your fingernails, just." put a tally mark on a notepad. So carry a notepad with you, tally it up. You can even chew your fingernails. She's like, okay. Goes to the day, chewed or got tempted, tempted to chew her fingernails, let's say 35 times. Repeat the next day. Why do that? Why do you think it would be beneficial? Why would this person, psychologist say, I want you to just measure and track that's empathize in the design thinking phase why by doing that this woman was able to recognize oh this is what makes me feel anxious so she was able to define what sparks the cue which is feeling anxious so it could be again it could be getting an email it could be thinking about work. Anytime she thinks about work, she starts to chew her fingernails. Whatever it is. It could be when someone walks into a room that you, makes you feel nervous. Whatever it is. 
but you are subconsciously chewing your fingernails in response to something else. And so if we're in design thinking, we're thinking like, okay, I want to chew my fingernails less. Let me think about why am I chewing my fingernails? And then you can't stop feeling anxious necessarily when like, let's say you get an email for work. You can't, but can we understand what, what we're doing and then perhaps with our knowledge of habits, change things? That's what we're focusing on today. Something to think about. And this is, this is really, after I read The Power of Habit, this is like, this change, honestly changed my life. And I'm going to propose it to you. It's not that I was not in the habit of working out. It is that I was in the habit of not working out. What is the difference? So there's two things. I was not in the habit of working out versus I, wa- I was in the habit of not working out. Think about that. Even if you disagree, what is the difference? It's almost... It's almost um, like the, the contrast. The When you think... when I Because I think we like to think of like, oh, I'm just not doing that yet. But when you really start to think about, like, I'm not working out yet. I'm just not in the habit of working out. Well, really what that means is you're in the habit of a bunch of things that don't include working out. There are a bunch of cues in your life that lead to responses that gives you a reward. And none of those are working out. So, because I think that we like to think of like, oh, I'm just going to start working out. But like, no, you got to recognize like they're, the roots of your behavior run deeper than you would like to acknowledge. Right? And so when I say I'm in the habit of not working out, that forces me to recognize that it's not as simple as, let me just place this in here. My lifestyle is not working out. And not my lifestyle is not exercising. That's part of my life. And so that really got me thinking of, okay, why don't I why don't I exercise? When do I when could I exercise, but I don't? So to go back to the day in the life log, not to like dive too deep into this, but Looking at instances like, oh, this could be a cue, and we'll talk, we'll use habit talk. What cues in my life could I change the response to? And the response is exercise and get a reward. Like, I want to feel good. And let's say, like, we could get as nuanced as this when I walk in the door at home and I'm done with the day. I'm in the habit of going into the fridge, grabbing a beverage, and I'm not saying I do this, but this let's just say this. Going into the fridge, grabbing an adult beverage, getting a snack, and then sitting down on the couch. That is my habit. That doesn't have to be the way I live my life, and I'm not even necessarily saying that's a bad thing, but that is the habit. So I'm in the habit of not working out. Now, I could work out in the morning. 
and I could still do, and I could go home from work and then sit on the couch and watch something. But then what am I doing in the morning? Because my morning, I'm not in the habit of working out, or I'm in the habit of not working out, sorry. It, I, I feel like there's a minor switch, but the, it's a switch of mindset and of and acknowledging the roots to your lifestyle. And that it's not as easy as let me just say this is what I want to do and place it here. You have to recognize that the roots are already established and you need to pull out and weed the areas and then like put in the new thing that you want. You can't just add on because much of our lives are habit. More than we really think about. Like go back into the day in the life log. This is just like, this is cue and response and reward, like one thing after another. And like you could, depending on how deep you went into this, but like even going into my quiet time at work, this is something that I've recognized about myself in my planning period. While I'm planning, so I'm a teacher, while I'm planning, when I'm loading something up or there is a minor break in work, I pull up my phone, I check TikTok. I've recognized about that about myself. And like, not necessarily saying it's a bad thing to check TikTok periodically, but then it's like, okay, I'm recognizing like I'm on the phone a fair amount. Is that a bad thing? No. Is that the best thing? No. And, and we're, I'm gonna dive deeper into this in a moment. Let's say something I wanna do is improve mental health. Is that behavior helping me reach my goal or is there something else I could be doing? So maybe I'm not checking my phone. Maybe rather that whenever there's a break and that's the cue, I get, whenever there's a break, I get a craving of like bored and my mind goes off of the task. What's my response? Maybe it should be take a deep breath. These are ideas. This is, this is right now, what I'm doing right now is that's empathizing, that's defining, that's coming up with an idea, and then we're gonna get into the application, which is the prototype. Okay. So in uh, Atomic Habits, there is going, and it's going back to that um, experiment with the exercise, implementation intention. Where, when and where, sorry. So, according to James Clear, time and location are the most common cues. So, like the time of the day or I'm like moving into a new room, that is a cue, you get a craving and then you like, you fulfill it. So, time, could literally, like my life runs on a bell while I'm at work, which is a bit of a bummer. Or location. And location could be like literally in my room. It could be like literally at my desk. It could literally be like any specific part. But looking at a new location creates cues and then you have a response to it. Therefore, due to this, we should be specific on when we want to implement our new ideas. So the define, or sorry, the ideate phase, you came up with a bunch of ideas for whatever is the topic that you wanna do. I don't know what that is, but this is another reason why we logged our day because now you can start to think about, okay, here were all the ideas that I had that would help me improve this topic and get me to what I want. Now I gotta figure out, well, when can I possibly do it? What would be the best time for me to implement this? Would it be in the morning? Would it be on my way to work? 
at work, during lunch? Would it be when I get home? Would it be before bed? You're not just guessing, like, oh, I think it would make sense at this time. Look at the log. Look and just be like, um, it actually seems like the afternoon could, like, there's an opening or there's something that I do that, like, that's not that important to me. So, like, I could replace that. I don't really care about this whatever. Or, like, ah, that's not, like... It's not the most important thing. Like, it doesn't have to be happening either at all. Like, I don't have to sit on the couch for a bit. Or um, it could be happening at a different time. So, thinking about the ideas that you had, what and when will have the most likelihood of actually happening? So, your ideas. What is probably, like, the most realistic? So, if you recall from mine, I said, like, flexibility. Like, okay, I want to stretch more. Like, I could do yoga. I could just do a basic stretch routine. I could, uh, like, watch a YouTube video. I could play, what is it, Twister. I could do the, I realize the spoon in the mouth doesn't make sense. I don't know if you watched last episode, but, like, your head's down. So I, I have to think about something else. But, in, like, turning, making it into a game. What is the most reasonable thing that, like, what is going to increase the likelihood that's actually going to happen and then when will I do it because that is also key so creating a prototype think about the ideas that you had think about one that makes sense and then think about when you could do it and then you're going to define the idea when x occurs I will perform y that is the equation for habit x is the cue y is the routine or the response So think about your topic. I'm going to give my example and then you can, this is like a modeling. I do, we do, you do. My topic is fitness. Uh, My goal is I want to develop more strength. So I I want to become stronger. Here's a potential idea. I could do pull-ups. Like, okay, cool. So quick design thinking. I empathize. This is what I want. I defined. I want to get stronger. An idea. I could do pull-ups. Like, okay. When could you do pull-ups? That's when you take the design or the habit equation. When X occurs, I will perform Y. So, what is the X? When I walk down the stairs in the morning, I will do pull-ups. I have now spoken this into existence, everybody. When I walk down the stairs in the morning... So when X occurs, when I walk down the stairs in the morning, that is the cue, I will do blank. I will do pull-ups. So what is yours? Your, what is your topic? What did you want? What was an idea? And then can you define a specific part or like a literal cue in your day where when this happens, I will do blank? I can think of a lot more examples. What makes sense for you? That's something for you to think about. Like, I'm, I'm trying to give you some way time to think right now. Um, ideally, if this was in a class, I would have you talking with other people. You'd be writing it down. I don't know if you're driving or whatever, but like, you have a week to think about this for you to say, like, okay. What am I doing? When am I doing it? And you literally use, and I would word it, when X, and then fill in X, occurs, I will perform or I will do blank. Now, 
If you're trying to develop a new habit, you should add it to a pre-existing cue. So think about like, what is a cue? And like, look at the day in the life log and think about like, mine was like, okay, in the morning I wake up, I greet the dogs, I make coffee. Well, I know that I walk down the stairs and at the bottom of the stairs is a door and I could add pull-up bars right there, right? So like I identify like this is an area in which like I can definitely add a behavior right there. I can, I'm always, I, cause I'm literally always walking down the stairs. So you should pick a cue that is commonly, that commonly occurs. I don't know what that is for you. It could be waking up. It could be starting your car. It could be uh, locking the door. It could be whatever. What is something that commonly occurs that's a cue? And then can you attach and action after that. There's also, and this is in James Clear's Atomic Habits, it's called habit stacking. Adding a habit on top of another. So let's say like, okay, I want to develop strength. When I walk down the stairs, I will do pull-ups. And then after pull-ups, I'll do push-ups. This is like, to be honest, this is something that I do Every day, I do 100 push-ups and 50 pull-ups every day for the most part. You know, and you know what's true? Is I do three sets of um, 10 pull-ups, 20 push-ups in the morning. And this is, I'm just, I'm talking about myself, but hopefully this helps. I walk down the stairs. The pull-up bar is there. I do 10 pull-ups, then I do 20 push-ups. I go down, I get the dogs out. I come back upstairs. As I'm going up to the top floor... I am walking by that door. I do 10 pull-ups, 20 push-ups, go up, groom myself, shower, all that stuff. And then when I'm coming back down to go pack up and leave, I do another set. So right there, I've done 60 push-ups and 30 pull-ups. Do you know where the last two, if I'm going to accomplish the 150, doesn't happen or is less likely to happen is after work when I come home, I don't have a system in place. I just say I'm gonna do it, but I don't have a system. I don't have like, I don't follow it because I'm in my work clothes, right? So like I come up and get changed. That should be when it is. Like after I get out of my clothes, when I'm walking out of that room, I do it again. That would be, that's habit. That's thinking about habit. That's a prototype. Now, you are trying to identify a cue and then add a habit or a behavior or a response um, you got to think about this. How can you make the transition between the cue and the response as seamless as possible? So like for me, when I wake up and I walk down the stairs, I want to do push-ups and pull-ups. That's the response to the behavior that I want. What would make that like, don't even think about it. It's like, you're, you're trying to really turn this into unconscious behavior where it's like, this is the same thing as me brushing my teeth or like me putting on clothes. This is just what I do. You're trying to seamlessly make it a part of your life. You're hacking your habits as in like, you're finding a cue. Like I literally always walk down the stairs. What else can I do that's going to make this as seamless or as easy as possible? James Clear has like the rules of make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. An example, for me, for the pull-ups, the night before, I could set up the pull-up bars, the pull-up bar in the door. So when I walk downstairs, you, why would I do that? 
Because when I walk downstairs, if I have the opportunity to say, nah, I don't feel like setting up, my wife just got home, so you might hear some noise. Hey, babe. Um, when I'm walking down the stairs, I could tell myself like, ah, but then I gotta set up the, it just, it's an obstacle and it's just a little bit extra energy. But if I set up the pull-up bar the night before, it's already there. It's minimal amount of work. I literally just go from the stairs right to the door and just do it. So how can you make the transition between the cue that you've identified and the response that you want as seamless as possible? James Clear says, make it obvious, make it nice. So like attractive, like make it something that's actually like feels good and like you want to do, easy and satisfying. Mental check-in, because I, I said this one's a lot, but I think this is, I think the most important episode. Identify a pre-existing cue, add a desired behavior, make it as seamless, make it as seamless a transition as possible. So here are just some examples that I want. James Clear uses this one. Do you want to read before bed? Put the book on your pillow in the morning. So when you come home before bed, the book is already there. So you don't have to like, you, you have to touch the book, right? Do you want to learn the guitar? So like I want to identify like my hobbies, topics. My topic was hobbies and music. I want to learn an instrument. Okay, you wanna learn the guitar. What are the things you could do? How about this? Do you want to learn the guitar? Place it in your living room. Have a guitar stand in the living room, like a place that you normally are. Don't put it in like some weird location in your house that you have to then go seek out. Put it put it in a place that you are normally at. And then if you want to even go a step further, remove the batteries from your TV remote on Tuesdays. That's just an example. But like, what would prevent you while you're in the, in the living room from picking up the guitar. The TV is probably a lot, I wouldn't say more fun, but it's less work. So like your brain is going to be like, ah, I don't feel like it. But if you've removed, the night before you remove the batteries. So like when you got done watching TV, you took the batteries out, you put them in the kitchen, you just separated it. Like, ah, oh, the batteries aren't there. Like, I guess I'll play the guitar. Like, like increase the likelihood that you are going to perform said action. You wanna learn Spanish? Tape terms terms on your kitchen cabinet. This is something that I did and then I haven't been doing it as in like learning Spanish. And the reason is I haven't defined a cue. So like every time I get a glass of water, I say a sentence in Spanish about the kitchen, right? That would be the cue, like opening up the glass before I do it. The cue is I want water the response is say something in Spanish and then I open up and get the glass, right? That just increases the likelihood that I'm going to do it. Now, this could also be applied, this is a lot in the episode, hopefully you're sticking with me. This could also be applied for replacing bad habits. So if you want to increase a behavior or a habit or an action or response, all the stuff that I just said. If you want to reduce a behavior, like think about the chewing the fingernails. Um, So this is something to think about. And this is what I said, like I was in the habit of not working out. So like bad habits, and I want to replace that with good habits. 
The summer or the work year for me, and this is a story about me, hopefully this is interesting. Um, the first year after college, I was working in Carlisle and I had to drive on Route 81. I still do, still drive on the same highway, still the same route, just a little bit further. And that year I was eating Chick-fil-A probably like twice a, twice a week, like once or twice a week, I was eating Chick-fil-A after work. Why? I get done work at three, I had a lunch, but like around three, like I'm hungry. So I'm driving down 81 and then Chick-fil-A exit is exit 59. And I like start to, I didn't think about this. And all of a sudden like a, a, two months or three months is going by. I was like, dude, I'm eating Chick-fil-A a lot. Like I wasn't getting fat by any means, but I was like, yo, like all of a sudden I was sitting there eating Chick-fil-A like, yo, this is, this is maybe a problem. Like this is a lot of money, dude. And yeah, it wasn't even the health too. It's just like, this is money that you don't need to be spending. And then learned about the atom or about habits and like all of a sudden things clicked. I recognized that at exit 57, so two miles before the exit I would take to get off to go to Chick-fil-A, my mouth would start watering or watering or salivating. So the cue was exit 57 and then I'd get a craving was salivating. And the response was, if I turned off of exit, if I got off on exit 59, I would get a reward, which really was just to satisfy the craving. And that was a chicken deluxe, a spicy chicken deluxe. And like, I li- this is true, like literally every single day, I would, as I was driving home, right at exit 57, the idea would pop into my head like, oh, what about Chick-fil-A? That's habit. That is the unconscious. And I didn't think about it. And you know what it was? It would be five days a week I'm doing this. And so five days a week, I had to like resist the temptation or the craving. It would be, ooh, maybe you get Chick-fil-A. Like, ah, oh, no, you had it yesterday. But then like I had it on Monday and then Thursday would it come around. Like, oh, I mean, like you skip Tuesday and Wednesday, you know? So it was like this constant battle that I was going through, that I created myself. Because one day I was like, oh nice, Chick-fil-A, like I turned off and then my body was like, yo, that is delicious. So then the next day I was like, oh maybe, like remember that experience? Like that was nice. And it was unconscious where it unconsciously turned into a habit where literally by exit 57, two miles before the Chick-fil-A exit, I recognized like my mouth would start watering and I'd be like, oh, you're hungry. And like thoughts would start to enter into my mind. So, if I want to reduce, if like my goal is to become healthier, let's say, and, I'm, and I've am and i looked at myself like, yeah, you're eating Chick-fil-A a lot, man. I want to reduce the amount of times I'm eating Chick-fil-A. It could be money, but I'm not saying going to Chick-fil-A is bad or fast food is bad necessarily. It, like it, Just like anything, too much of it can be bad. It's not great to have it like be a constant part of life. I realized that no matter what, at least for the time being, because this doesn't happen to me anymore, exit 57 was going to be a cue for me. And I was going to experience craving at exit 57. The response that had to change was me turning off at exit 59. I had to shift and change the response to the craving. I can't change the cue. 
Unless I change my route. Which is not reasonable. And I can't, couldn't at the time change my craving. Like, I got hungry when Exit 57 happened. But I can change the response. So the idea was, what can I do? What response can I have that's going to at least, like, give some form of reward that, like, appeases the craving? Gum. And it was as simple as that. Like when Exit 57 drove, went by and I started to like, my mouth started to water, I would just pop a piece of gum in. And eventually, like I still experienced temptation. Like, ah, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, like want to veer off of 59. But eventually it slowly went away. I don't think about, I truly, and like I'm literally thinking about this now. I don't think about Chick-fil-A on my ride home at all anymore. I still occasionally eat Chick-fil-A and like I'm not throwing shade on like fast food. But this was empathizing, defining ideas, and then a prototype. My prototype was when I hit exit 57, I'm gonna throw a piece of gum in my mouth. And that was like turning to this is when this happens, this is what I will do. With knowledge of empathizing and defining my own behaviors and what I wanted to change. That's just a story for you to ideally, I mean, like, I mean, the goal is think of like, okay, that is the unconscious turning the unconscious into conscious because all of a sudden, if I didn't do that, I would start to gain weight. I'd be spending more money. And then I'm like, oh, like, this is just my life. Like, no, it's not like you can just think about and like empathize with yourself and turn your unconscious actions into conscious and then make a conscious choice to do something different something that you want that will help you reach the goals that you define so ask yourself what are pre-existing cues that exist in your life that you could add on to and then what will increase the likelihood that you perform y so what is the x what is the y and then how can you make the y more obvious mine was the night before adding the pull-up bars to the door what will decrease the likelihood that I perform why so what are things that's going to prevent you from doing what you want like again mine was what was going to decrease me from doing pull-ups really the only thing is I would walk by and like I don't feel like putting the pull-up bar in the door so Try to remove anything that's going to decrease you performing the behavior and try to make whatever will increase the likelihood you perform the behavior, bring it to the forefront. So this is your homework and I'm going to do it as well. I think I have the pull up and push up thing down. So mine is going to be um, stretching. When blank, I will blank. What is yours? Think about your topic. Think about what you want. Think about existing cues in your life and then think about your ideas. What makes the most sense? What are you going to do? When are you going to do it? So mine is when I'm finished brushing my teeth before bed, that's the cue, I will stretch. And I have a routine. I will perform my stretching routine. How can I make it more obvious and easy? Because it's very... and. This is currently happening. I brush my teeth and then I just get into bed and I don't stretch. So like, it's not good enough to say like, oh, I'm gonna do this now because I'm in the, I'm in, in the habit 
of brushing my teeth and getting right into bed, right? So I'm, it's not that I'm not in the habit of stretching, I'm in the habit of not stretching. The cue is finish brushing my teeth, the routine is get into bed. What can I plant in there that will increase the likelihood that I'm going to do what I want? I could have the yoga mat set up next to my bed in the morning, so like in the morning, lay it out there, or just always have it out there. I don't know if that'll be annoying. I'd have to figure that out. I could ask my wife to remind me, you know, like that's an accountability buddy, as we'll call it. So like after I brush my teeth, before I get into bed, like I could say to my wife, like, this is what I'm trying to do. Could you please remind me to do this? This is just some, I, and she could, and I could be like, I'm good, <laughs> like jump into bed. But most of the time, like I want to stretch. But most of the time, it's like, I don't really think about it. Why? Because I'm not in the habit, or I'm in the habit of not doing it. So, this week, practice making a prototype. Have it be a measurable goal. Oh, that's, I don't wanna go too far. So, when blank, I will blank. And what you're gonna do is set a measurable goal. So at the end of the week, were you successful or not? Now, the only way to know if you're successful is there has to be like a measure of success. So like for mine is at the end of the week, I will stretch four of the five weekdays. I'm going to give myself like the reality that I'm not perfect. And like, because what could happen is that if you set up two lofty goals and then right when you start to not perform it, because you are deeply rooted in not doing these things you're gonna feel like oh what's the point i'm a failure and like stop so like give yourself some leeway at the end of this week what will be considered a success for your topic could be i picked up the guitar twice it could be i called a friend on my way home from work once it could be i exercised three times it could be whatever it could be I reduced the amount of times that I looked at my phone during my planning period. What is success to you? Measure it. So at the end of this week, you can say, yes, I was successful or no, I was not. And if you were not successful, then you have to ask why. Why am I not implementing and fulfilling my prototype? And if you are successful, great. Keep it up. It will eventually just become a habit and then you can add more. That's it for this episode, y'all. So the homework for this week, when blank, I will blank. And then make it measurable and try it out. If it doesn't work out, it's all good. You just keep designing. You don't just stop like, oh, okay. Like growth mindset is like, okay, like back to the drawing board. It's all good. And this is the design thinking process. I will see you all next week where we're going to go big picture and apply it for all aspects of our lives, just using design thinking in life. But that's for next week, y'all. Adios.